out of town and then she turned it around. She said they'll never let me leave this place. She gave the cabbie your money and said, don't look down. He didn't have a clue what she was talking about. All the locals know her as Joe. She drinks Manhattans and wears gentlemen's clothes. She likes to get high when she's low and break the hearts of boys for the fun of it all. And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Joined, as always, on the podcast by 444.com's John Paulson, who does all the fantastic rating rankings for 444.com and produces a lot of great material. And, uh, John, we're heading into week two. Can't believe it's already week two. How you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty well. Uh, recovering from Thursday Night Football. Actually, I didn't watch much of the game, but... Uh... It, I got home from the soccer field at uh, halftime, and I saw that they had 42 points in the first half, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. That was actually that, that's my first loss since doing picks for 444.com. I was 5-0 a week ago. I took the under last night, and the two teams nearly won, uh, hit the over in the first half. So not a, <laughs> not a good night for me there. <laughs> that's all right. You're not going to win them all. 5-1 uh, and one, still pretty good. Tell us about the music, and then we've got to talk a little bit about the 444 League Sync app before we get into some of the, the content. Uh, it's uh, The Glorious Sons, and the name of the song is Josie. It's the second track off their uh, 2017 album, Young Beauties and Fools. Uh, it's another Canadian band that uh, has popped up on the podcast. It's a really good track. I'll add it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. Uh, you can find that. Uh, if you can't find that on Spotify, you can uh, find a link to it in any of the podcast posts on the 444.com website. So check it out. All right, so before we dive into the latest news and injuries, I want to talk a little bit about the 444 League Sync app that's available in the App Store. It's free for existing Pro and DFS subscribers, and and Classic subscribers can use the app to optimize their lineups at no cost. So for Pro and DFS subscribers, you'll also be able to easily identify the players on the waiver wire that are projected to score the most points in any given week. It saves you a lot of time since you don't have to scour through the waiver wire trying to find a, a, a spot start. If you'd like to try out that functionality, you can get a free seven day trial through the app it works with espn yahoo cbs and my fantasy league if you aren't a 444 subscriber and you want to buy a pro subscription through the app you can do so you'll get full access to the 444 website as well an android version is coming soon so we haven't forgot about you android users out there before right now it's just for iphone users but john this is this app is is really good and it's really convenient anything you want to add about it before we move on yeah, I think my least favorite uh, part of season-long fantasy is is the waiver day and having to scour through the waiver wire trying to in an X number of leagues, trying to find a player you know to add. And this app makes it really easy. I, I, I signed up, uh, used it for our armchair quarterbacks league that we've been in for a number of years, Anthony, and mm-hmm. um, I was able to easily see the the highest ranked uh, free agents that were available. Um, this week and and it also will tell me uh you know which which players i should start each week based on my projections which is actually really cool since they are my projections but anybody out there that wants to use it give it a try uh it's free for seven days and if you are a pro or do you have a subscriber you can have full access right now uh just gotta sign in once you uh, download the app 
it, it is really convenient and it's uh, it, it creates a lot of value for fantasy owners. Let's dive into some of the news. There's there's a lot of injury news heading into week two. We're going to start off with Aaron Rodgers, who has a difficult matchup against Minnesota at home. Mike McCarthy said that Rodgers is getting better and hopes he can practice some on Saturday. What do you, do you, do you trust Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings, knowing that he's still banged up? Well, he's at home, so that helps. He plays better at home than he does on the road. It's not a huge disparity, but he is very effective at home. He usually throws two to three touchdowns uh, at home. Uh, part of this is maybe not too bad for him, and at least for his fantasy numbers, because you know you notice when he came out of the locker room at halftime and uh, wasn't real mobile, uh, he was real careful to get rid of the ball quickly. I think at times... Uh, he wants to make a big play, and he's so effective when he holds the ball long and scrambles around and makes big plays because he can uh, find uh, receivers down the field. The receivers are trained to, to do certain things when he starts to scramble and uh, big plays happen. But uh, if he knows the game plan going into the to the game that he needs to quickly get the ball out of his hands and be sort of a Tom Brady-type quarterback, he's perfectly capable of doing that. He's had injuries in the past where he's, he's been limited to the pocket and he's he's able to get the ball quickly. And I think if they shift their offense a little bit, that will uh, keep the um, Vikings on their heels. Uh, it's obviously not a great matchup because Vikings have one of the best defenses in the league. But I think since this game is at home uh, and uh, the injury happened last week, he's going to have some time to recover. He'll be more, more mobile than he was in the second half of last uh, week. But I think he will play, and I think he'll put pretty good numbers. I have him in the top ten this, this week. Well, Rodgers doesn't have a good matchup against Minnesota. Big Ben certainly does against Kansas City. They were they were uh, ripped to shreds a week ago by the Chargers. Granted, the Chiefs won the game, but it was a high-scoring one. I envision a very high-scoring game in Pittsburgh this week. The total is set up at 53-and-a-half. I still like the over in that game. But Ben Roethlisberger remained sidelined yesterday with that elbow injury. I have no doubts that he faces Kansas City on Sunday. John, what about you? Well, he's kind of a drama queen, isn't he? Certainly. Certainly. Yeah, he, he loves to... <laughs> He loves to play up the injuries, and then, you know, what a warrior he is uh, when he comes and plays <laughs> through the injury. I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of uh, today. Uh, he didn't practice yesterday, but he's trying to like, throw as much uh, fog into the situation and make it as murky as possible. I think he'll be out there, and uh, he should have a huge game. I mean, obviously playing at home, his home away splits are, are stuff of legend now. And uh, with Le'Veon Bell out, uh, remaining out, it it looks like it'll be a big passing day for, for Roethlisberger and uh, uh, the, the Pittsburgh receivers there. Leonard Fournette, outlook doesn't look as as good as what you just discussed with Ben Roethlisberger. So the Jaguars running back is dealing with a hamstring injury like we know. He remains sidelined at Friday's practice. That is three straight days where he did, he did not practice. He could play on Sunday, John, but if you miss three straight days of practice, the outlook is usually not good. So talk to us about T.J. Um, uh, Yeldon, who would be the starter for the Jaguars if Leonard Fournette can't go. Yeah, one note on, on Fournette. Uh, he called himself a game-time decision, and uh, his coach, Doug Marone, said that he doesn't have to practice to play in the game. I think even if he does play, he'll be uh, limited uh, given what's happening. He won't see his usual complement of touches. The problem here is that the Jaguars play late against the Patriots. It's a 425 Eastern start, so uh, hopefully we'll get a Adam Schefter tweet uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, telling us exactly what's going to happen uh, with Fournette. If it's, a, if it's a true game time call where he's going to be out there warming up and seeing how it feels, 
uh, then it's a little problematic for, for his owners or for TJ Yeldon owners. Um, as for Yeldon, uh, he came in and when Fournette got injured last week and basically took all the running back touches, uh, they talked a little bit about wanting to get Corey Grant more involved going forward if, if Fournette's out. Uh, so you may see a couple extra carries for him. But Yeldon uh, was the kind of the bell cow pack there uh, with Fournette sideline. In the 15 games where he's seen at least 15 touches in his career, he's averaged 19.7 touches for 87 total yards and .33 touchdowns. That's uh, 14.5 fantasy points in PPR formats. I think against the Patriots, uh, you know, the Jaguars, there's a decent chance that they kind of fall behind in this game. A lot of catches for Yeldon, so I think he's a, he's a strong uh, RB2 start if, if Fournette is ruled out. If he's if he's a game-time decision and you're not sure what's going to end up with Yeldon, uh, you know, and you have to set your lineup in the morning, um, then I, I would look at him more as a low-end RB2 and, and you know, Maybe he, um, but they both both players play, and Yeldon gets maybe ten to fifteen touches instead of twenty plus. Okay, so this actually winds up working out pretty well for me. You're talking about Leonard Fournette being out or maybe not. T.J. Yeldon, that I've got both of those players, but I also have Tevin Coleman, and it looks like Tevin Coleman is going to start on Sunday because Devontae Freeman he missed some time a year ago because of um, some injuries and, and a concussion. You saw him on the sidelines late in that game against Philadelphia last week. D. Orlando, Orlando Ledbetter of the uh, AJC down in Atlanta reports that Devontae Freeman is likely out for week two. So if that is the case, is Tevin Coleman an RB1 this weekend when the Falcons host the Panthers? Yeah, I think he is. I was quick, uh, quick crushing, crunching some numbers as I learned this news right before the podcast. Uh, if you look at last year, there was three games where Freeman either missed completely or he was knocked out early in the game. There was a game where he had two carries uh, and then got injured. Uh, Fre- uh, Coleman, in those games, averaged 20.3 touches for 81 total yards, 1.3 touchdowns. So I think I'm going to have him ranked as like a low-end RB1 uh, with Freeman out. Uh, the question here I noticed in these three games is that Coleman only caught two passes in three games even with Freeman out which is really I thought that was really odd do you have any idea why his usage in the passing game would have gone down with Freeman out yeah that's because Steve Sarkeesian doesn't doesn't know what the hell he's doing and that's <laughs> that's about as detailed as I can get it no I mean I think what has happened here is that a week ago we saw Steve Sarkeesian not commit to the running game at all whether it was Coleman or Freeman now, I know Coleman did score a touchdown there but if you look back at Teams when they're most efficient, a lot of times they're throwing to the running backs either on first or second downs. Sarkeesian doesn't do that. Um, you've got this dynamic running back in Coleman that could be used a lot on the edges, on the outside. He can be used in, in the passing game. Kyle Shanahan used him three years ago uh, when they went to the, the Bron- Denver and they, they wound up getting this big win against the Broncos, mainly because Coleman was used a lot in the slot. Sarkeesian just, he, he leaves a lot to be desired from a game plan standpoint, and I just, while I trust Coleman to, to be effective because he's going to get volume in that offense, I just don't trust Sarkeesian to draw up uh, good plays for him. So that, that's, that's about the, the cut and dry of it. All right, sounds good.
Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's your Devontae Freeman news. Let's let's talk about the Patriots running backs. You got Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle remained limited at Thursday practice. He's dealing with a knee. Rex Burkhead has a concussion, but was seen practicing on Thursday. Do you trust either of these guys against a fantastic Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars defense? Well, I think if Burkhead um, is able to get cleared from the concussion, it sounds like he's on his way back. Um, he's going to be the lead back there. Um, Sonny Michelle could be involved, but either Burkhead's cleared or he's not cleared, and we should know. Um, we should know by tonight whether or not he's going to play at the latest. I guess it would be Saturday whether or not he's going to be able to play on Sunday. So it shouldn't be a game time call with a concussion. Um, so if he's if he's active, I like Burkhead. If Burkhead's out and Michelle is in, you know they lost Jeremy Hill to the ACL, so you've got James White and Sony Michelle there, and I think it, you end up with a kind of a split there with maybe White getting more than he would normally would. Um, maybe they go really pass heavy, and they don't try to run the ball into the teeth of the defense too much um, if that's if that's the case. But I think Burkhead will end up playing based on his Thursday activity. Uh, is he a great start against the Jaguars? No, they have a good defense, but. Um, he should see, you know, 15 to 20 touches like you saw last week. All right, Marlon Mack, the Colts running back, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. He remained limited at practice on Thursday. Looks like he's headed for another week where he's not going to play. That means Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines are going to be the two Colts backs that should see the most action. Yeah, he's been – Mack, I guess, was fairly close last week to playing, so I'm not writing him off – for this week if he's back i think he'll see the bulk of the the work um but we won't know for sure uh, until we see a uh, injury report today uh, the colts do play early against the redskins on sunday they did a good job on uh david johnson last week so it wouldn't be a great start even if mac was was active and, and, and playing but um i think it's important that owners kind of look ahead and if mac's on the waiver wire i know he's hit quite a few waiver wires especially in the shallow leagues uh you know, in the next week or two or three, he's going to maybe take over that job as the as the Colts' primary back. He was the one I liked the most coming into the season. Devontae Adams, Adams said that he felt great after returning to limited practice on Thursday. He says it's still day-to-day. I felt good today at practice, so we just have to keep making progress till Sunday, and hopefully I'll be ready to run. Do you feel comfortable starting Adams? He's going to have a tough matchup with Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, Rhodes is probably going to shadow him. Uh, in Adams' last two games with the uh, against the, the Vikings, he caught five for 54 and a touchdown on 10 targets, and then four for 44 and a touchdown on seven targets. Uh, the previous game in uh, 2016, he had three for 26. Uh, so two of those games were from 2016. One was from last year. Uh, he's a, probably a top 10, top 12 wide receiver on a weekly basis, um, but with with Rodgers struggling a little bit in this bad matchup. Maybe you would downgrade him to a high-end wide receiver two, mid-level wide receiver two. Uh, I still think his upside is is significant, uh, especially playing at home where there's extra touchdowns available. Uh, the Packers don't run a lot around the goal line. They, they typically throw it. Uh, and he, he and uh, Jimmy Graham are going to be the primary uh, touchdown options, I think, in this offense. And I think Devontae Adams is one. And then... Uh, Graham is probably the number two. So, you know, the chances of Adams scoring a touchdown are still pretty high, even though it's a bad matchup. Sticking with wide receivers, Will Fuller, he's got a hamstring injury. He practiced again on Thursday. It looks like he's going to be ready to go, but do you see him as as a flex option or see him more a wide receiver four? 
Well, he's a big play guy, so there's always a little bit of risk that he could do a one for 15 and for you. But in four games with Deshaun Watson last year, Fuller averaged 3.2 catches for 70 yards, which included 33% of Watson's air yards, which is pretty significant, and 1.8 touchdowns per game. Um, that's 20.7 fantasy points per game in PPR. So he's not going to keep up the touchdown rate. But, uh, you know, in the one meeting that he had with the Titans last year, he caught four for 35 and two touchdowns on six targets. So uh, he has a chance to put up some big numbers if he's a full go this week. Uh, we have an early leader for most frust- frustrating fantasy owner after posting a goose, uh, most, most frustrating player, I should say. Marquise Goodwin after posting a goose egg last week. Uh, he was one of those guys that a lot of people hyped up throughout the course of the year. I know I have my share of him in several leagues. John, I'm sure you do as well. He remained sidelined Thursday at practice. He's dealing with a quad injury. If he can't go, does Dante Pettis have any interest to you? Yeah, this is a, another late game, so it's going to be a problem. Uh, Pettis, probably available in the waiver wire. If you have Goodwin, you can plug him right in uh, You know, at the time at game time. Uh, Pettis will be very involved if Goodwin's out. He played 73% of the snaps last week against the Vikings, 2 for 61, and a touchdown on five targets. Uh, so this is basically a plug-and-play. If Goodwin's out, you can plug Pettis in there, and Pettis will be uh, a sneaky start, basically, status-wise. Uh, he'll move up into the, probably the 40s in our, in our rankings if if Goodwin uh, can't play. All right, Deshaun Jackson is also dealing with concussion and shoulder problems. He returned to practice, though, on Thursday, getting in a limited session. The Eagles have a fantastic defense, but their their cornerbacks can be had. Any interest here, or is he more of a high-risk four? Uh, Deshaun Jackson, boy, he blew up last week. Uh, I think fantasy community kind of wrote him off a little bit heading into this season. He wasn't that involved in the offense last year. Uh, justifiably so. Everybody got excited about Chris Godwin, who did catch a touchdown last week, although he didn't have the type of game that Deshaun Jackson had. Jackson was concussed, and then he also hurt his shoulder, so he missed parts of that game, still had a huge one. If he, I would expect him to do everything he can to get back and play against the Eagles. Uh, he's probably still mad about the, the way things ended with Philly. Uh, if you look at his five career meetings with his, his old team, the Eagles, when he was playing with the Redskins, uh, he posted, this is the oldest to, to most recent meetings with the Eagles, 5 for 117 and a touchdown, 4 for 126, 4 for 40, 4 for 55, and then 3 for 102 and a touchdown. So three pretty huge games and then you know two games in that 8 to 9 PPR point range, which is not going to kill you. Um, but he has that blow-up potential um, every week, but you know especially so when he plays against the Eagles because I'm sure he'll be... Uh, you know, in the ear of Ryan Fitzpatrick, trying to get him to, to launch some some balls down down the field if he's playing. Uh, the other thing is that you know it's a shoulder and a, and a uh, concussion. It's nothing that's gonna. It's not a lower body issue that's gonna affect his legs and speed at all. That's what he makes his money. Um, the other thing is if if Jackson is out, uh, I would have Godwin ranked as like a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. Uh, last year in, in the five games where he played at least 50% of the snaps, Godwin averaged 4.2 catches for 73 yards, 0.2 touchdowns on 7.2 targets per game. He played 70% of the snaps in week one. He caught three passes for 41 yards and a touchdown on four targets. So if Jackson's out, I would expect Godwin's uh, playing time to go over 80%, and he should be able to produce even in a pretty tough matchup against the Eagles. All right, let's talk a little bit about last night's matchup, the Bengals um 
produced 28 points in the first half alone. Their offense fell silent a little bit in the second half uh, outside of two field goals in the fourth quarter. But Andy Dalton and A.J. Green had themselves at the, uh, some games. Andy Dalton, 24-42, 265, four touchdowns, no picks. And A.J. Green, five catches, 69 yards, and he had three touchdowns. He caught all three touchdowns in the first uh, half of that game for the Bengals. What stood out to you from Cincinnati's standpoint, including Joe Mixon? He was he was banged up a little bit. He finished with 21 carries on 84 yards. Yeah, 22 touches. He had the, the catch for three yards. Wasn't as involved in the receiving game as he uh, was the previous week and or he's capable of. I think the maybe the thing to note about Cincinnati right now is that Tyler Boyd is probably ahead of John Ross. Uh, Boyd had six catches for 91 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. Ross only had four targets, so uh, Boyd is looking more like the safety blanket uh, for uh, for Andy Dalton as opposed to Ross, which is more of the deep threat. Uh, take a shot here and there, uh, and maybe he makes a play, maybe he doesn't. Uh, so Boyd, I think, is somebody to start paying attention to, especially in deeper formats, the PPR formats, because he's going to if he gets nine targets every week, he's going he's gonna to produce a decent amount of PPR points. And then from uh, the, the Ravens' standpoint, Joe Flacco had a game uh, basically to forget. I mean, he comes off in the second, second possession of the game and throws a, a tailor-made interception, which set up Cincinnati's first touchdown. Alex Collins continues to frustrate owners. I, I know my, myself included, only nine carries for 35 yards. He did catch four passes or three passes off four targets for 55 yards. So it wasn't a complete bust, but, you know, not good at all. And then you've got these wide, you got the wide receivers too. John Brown targeted 10 times. Michael Crabtree targeted 10 times, although game game flow and game script dictated that the Ravens had to throw the ball. What about from Baltimore standpoint, fantasy wise? Yeah, I think it's kind of the John Brown story a little bit. Uh, he had the touchdown last week, uh, four for ninety-two and touchdown on ten targets this week. I had somebody tweet at me, "When can I start starting John Brown?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I had him ranked fortieth this week, which was actually a little high compared to uh, my peers uh, as to where to rank him. I mean, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty with him since he's a big play guy and he's also uh, had been dealing with that sickle cell. Uh, I know I was a little, I would have probably ranked him in the 30s, but I was a little concerned that the short week might hold him back, but it didn't at all. So I think heading into next week, you're looking at him as a wide receiver three. He'll be ranked in the 30s or uh, maybe 20s if it's a good, if it's a good matchup. So, uh, you know, Crabtree is more of the possession, uh, shorter yardage guy. I mean, he got 10.6 fantasy points PPR. I think for Collins, um, I've not, you know, 12 touches is not enough probably for him. Uh, I think in a normal game, he probably would have seen at least 12 to 15 carries. But, you know, Buck Allen has got six carries for eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, Collins failed to convert on his touchdown opportunity, so it doesn't look like he's going to be taking that, that job away from Allen. Um, and then Allen got the five catches for 36 yards. So in the backfield, I think Collins is startable, but you're just not going to get – 20 to 25 touches that you would like to get uh, from a guy with his talent. Uh, and then for, for Allen, I think he's a, he's a sneaky PPR play just about every week. I mean, he got the 8.6 uh, fantasy points in the passing game, got the touchdown. So you're already looking at 14, 15 fantasy points from a guy who was available in the last round of most drafts. Let's do some sneaky starts. Hopefully your house isn't on fire, John. Um. This is my coffee maker. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's do some sneaky starts for week two. Starting off with a quarterback that you really like, 
Case Keenum faces the Raiders at home. The Broncos won their first game last week against Seattle. Oakland, having played on Monday Night Football, gets short rest. And, of course, no Khalil Mack to deal with for Case Keenum. Yeah, uh, this is a a good matchup, I think, with with Oakland, who struggled against the pass last uh, year. Uh, Jared Goff uh, had two touchdowns, 233 yards. Last week against the Raiders, there was also two pass interference penalties that added up to 87 total yards there. So Goff could have gone over uh, 300 yards potentially there as well. So, um, you know, looking at what Keenum did last week, I think he's got a good group of receivers there. Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, uh, they got the the rookie there, and I'm blanking on his name, Cortland Sutton uh, as well. Uh, Philip Lindsay is pretty good out of the backfield as a a pass catcher as well. So uh, this is shaping up to be a pretty good matchup for Keenum. I like the game uh, at home against the the Raiders. Just a a nice matchup, and and he showed against the Seahawks that he uh, has command of the offense and is ready to go. Buffalo could be the gift that keeps on giving for fantasy owners. You like Austin Eckler, the Chargers running back, who will face the um, Bills in Buffalo this weekend. And Eckler, pretty nice day from a pass-catching standpoint last week against the Chiefs. Yeah, I think Eckler, as far as like the backup running backs, he's one that I think might have a bigger game than usual just because the Chargers could jump out to a lead on Buffalo and maybe in the fourth quarter they're up by 20 25 points and uh, they shut down Melvin Gordon and then Eckler's getting a ton of touches late uh, he had 10 touches 126 yards and a touchdown against the Chiefs last week there was a stretch last year uh, five games where Eckler saw 46 touches for 312 yards and four touchdowns so there was a uh, a point in the season where he was getting a significant uh, workload and had some standalone value so I think they're trying to get back to that uh, they're giving their running backs a lot of touches this year, uh, you know, losing Hunter Henry uh, as, a, as a receiver. And they've got Antonio Gates there now, which wasn't, isn't, uh, in terms of targets, uh, what they were hoping from Henry or what Gates was gave them years back. So I think Eckler's a pretty good start there in Buffalo. All right, Cole Beasley. I know you've got some interesting nuggets on Cole Beasley with Des Bryant when he's not in the lineup. And, of course, Des Bryant no longer with the Cowboys. Yeah, four games without Dez in the lineup since 2016. That was after uh, Dak Prescott took over. Beasley's averaged five uh, catches for 63 yards, .75 touchdowns. He's got three touchdowns in four games. Last week, he didn't catch a touchdown. That was the one where he didn't, uh, but he had seven for 73 on eight targets last week. Uh, It looks like he's going to be the most targeted receiver in this uh, receiving core. You know, maybe we thought it was going to be Alan Hearn since they signed him, but uh, clearly, Prescott favors Beasley, and I like the, the matchup that he has against the Giants slot corner B.W. Uh, Webb. Um, last time he was saw significant action, which was 2016 for the Saints, he gave up a 101 point passer rating uh, <laughs> on 63 targets. So this is a nice matchup all around. I think he's going to be the most targeted receiver in this passing game, and it's a good matchup with the cornerback. So uh, PPR formats especially, I would uh, think about picking him up him up, and starting him. He's a good chance he's going to have 10 to, 10 to 15 uh, fantasy points. All right, I feel like you're doing this on purpose, but tight end Jared Cook. Because, of course, of course Jared Cook is a sneaky start. How great was he last week? I mean, I know he, he, was, he, was. he was. I know very- you uh, I know you love Jared Cook, so we have to talk about him. Uh <laughs> But I, you know, looking at what he did last week, and then you sort of add it to what he did in 2016, where he was a top 12 fantasy tight end. 17 games since joining the Raiders, Cook has accounted for almost 16 percent of Derek Carr's targets, 15.8 percent, and then 21.4 percent of his passing yardage. 
So that's really significant for a tight end. Now, he's not a big touchdown guy for some reason. He doesn't. I mean, I guess the Raiders are not a big touchdown team <laughs> offensively <laughs> either. Now, the thing that I mean, I think the matchup's good against Denver. Uh, last year they struggled against the tight end position. Um, they gave up. In week one, they gave up four catches for 112 yards to Will Disley and Nick Vanette in last week. So, Those are some names. Yeah, so I think the only thing that's going to hold Cook back this week is if John Gruden you know, forces Carr to just funnel targets to Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson, and you know, he just ignores a wide-open Cook because I think Cook's going to be open quite a, bit, quite a bit against Denver. It's their one... Uh, kind of weakness uh the 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 quality of the cornerback position kind of funnels targets to that tight end and and i think cook's good enough to take advantage all right one other tight end that you like is ben watson he gets a nice matchup with cleveland i i expect the saints to absolutely boat race the browns this weekend cleveland playing essentially an extra quarter last week in that tie with pittsburgh now they have to travel to new orleans and, and face off a ticked off saints team i expect breeze and company to go off yeah, and this one's really for you because I know you don't want to start Jared Cook as a sneaky start, so you can start Ben Watson. <laughs> Cleveland was terrible against the tight end position. They were last in the league last year and adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end position. They gave up 60 yards to Jesse James in week one, so not off to a great start in terms of, you know, Jesse James doesn't have a lot of 60-yard-plus games. So Watson was involved. He played quite a bit. He was 80% of the snaps. He, he didn't have a huge game. Obviously, there was some big numbers put up by that uh, Saints offense um, last week, but Watson only had four for 44. But I think he's capable of, you know, a five for 60 and a touchdown type of a game against Cleveland this week. All right, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Remember to use the code TMAP, the most accurate podcast, so TMAP for 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. Next week, we'll tackle Monday's news following week two's games and take a look at the waiver wire watch, and, of course, we'll be back on Friday. So for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stoltz. We'll see you next time on the most accurate podcast. Just see,